You're listening to a live audio recording from Women's Bible Fellowship at LEFC. This is the wrap-up teaching for week three, covering Numbers chapters 7 through 12. All right, so Erin said last week, um, the first six chapters, like she talked about, were all about setting up the camp. Uh, God was establishing his nation, their exact locations, and a ways of living, and rituals to enable a holy God to dwell with sinful people. We saw a large group of people who really were organized around the centrality of God, and they obeyed every command. What hope we found in those chapters. Uh, So for this week, chapters 7 to 10 continue in that theme of hope and obedience. Uh, We see the nation of Israel really starting to take shape. God is setting apart his people. And he's doing this over the course of, of these four chapters, um, I'm going to give you little headlines that I kind of created in my mind to keep it all straight. This is basically a summarizing chapters 7 through 10. Um, God set apart his people by their plentiful giving, the promise of light, purification of the Levites, Passover. I'll come back. <laughs> and being pointed to the promised land. If you're nerdy like me, they're all P's, and that made me very excited. (laughs) I tried to, so it'll be easier to remember when you see the same letter. So go back, they're set apart by their plentiful giving, the promise of light, purification of the Levites, Passover, and being pointed to the promised land. All right, so let's talk about each of those things real quick here. So first, God sets apart his people by their plentiful giving. Um, I don't know if we really mentioned this during the talk, but seven, I think kind of, chapter seven to nine is actually a flashback back into Exodus 40, uh, right as the tabernacle was being set up and dedicated to the Lord. Uh, So we're actually going back in time here a little bit. This was actually, when they did these offerings, it was actually about a month um, before the census was was given. Um, The first part of this flashback informs us that what was given at the tabernacle, right? And we talked about how much time and space this would have taken to write. Um, I really feel like there's a lot of reasons why this repetition would have been there, but it kind of boils down to this, that the Israelites gave abundantly, generously, and unitedly. Uh, Each tribe, um, similarly to what Amy said, they gave equally because they were different sizes. A lot of the times in scripture, we kind of give according to what you have, but they were different sizes, but they all gave equally to show that they're all part of God's family. They're all part of this ministry. They might have different, they might look different for the different people, um, but they're all part. And I think that gives people just a different motivation and a different heart um, in following the Lord. So the Israelites were set apart by their plentiful giving. They were also set apart by their promise of light. Chapter 8 begins with that seemingly very random little blurb about these lamps. We actually didn't even get to talk about that at all. Um, But I don't think it's all random. I think it's there. Again, it seemed like he just kind of added it in there. But I think it's really cool why it follows these offerings that are listed. So the Lord wanted the lamps to be set up in such a way that they would give light. It actually says in the the verse that it gives light to the area in front of the lampstand. So I had to be like, well, what's in front of the lampstand? And what is around the lampstand is the table of showbread um, with the 12 loaves that represent the 12 tribes of Israel. These 12 tribes that just gave these offerings to the Lord. 
So it's kind of cool that now God is showing that his light is upon these 12 tribes. Um, and that, I mean, that the, the point here is that he, his presence is with them um, and that they would live in these blessings that he can give. And this, is only, this, this promise of light can only come from him. Next to people, and more specifically, the Levites were set apart by their purification or cleansing. They went through a whole public ceremony just to become clean. And why was that? Um, like we talked about last week, the Levites were working really closely to God, right? They were set apart and chosen to be of service to him. They needed to be clean because they were going to be in pro- a close proximity to a holy God, which is an awesome, yet really dangerous place to be. Then we have um, God setting apart his people by the celebration of Passover that we see in chapter 9. Um, this is a time for them to remember what he has done for them, his justice and mercy, both of those things that were shown in Egypt. Uh, we are given very specific instructions in Exodus, and now the Lord is gracious to give further instruction to include all people, those around dead bodies, those who are away. Um, so we have the explanation of the Passover, and then right following that is the cloud. I picture the Lord putting those two together, saying, remember what I've done, now follow me. And how, what a cool thing we can do in our own lives, like apply that to ourselves, right? Remember what God has done for us through the, through the blood of Christ, now let's follow him. So I just love that those two are put together in the same chapter here in Numbers. So the remainder, the remainder of chapter 9 and 10 is all about God pointing his people to the promised land. Lots of peas there. (laughs) Um, We're given a very detailed and specific account of how the cloud or God's presence interacts with the people, like we have talked about, whether the cloud, whatever it looked like. Um, When the cloud moved, they moved. When it stopped, they stopped. Moses says this over and over again. You guys catch that in that in that little part of nine? He says, "Well, if they went five days, they went five days." I'm I'm like every way he could have said it. All the point of it is that they they were to follow this cloud. just like on Mount Sinai, I thought this was really cool. The presence of the Lord came down by cloud and the sound of trumpets. And here again, we have a cloud, and then we have this instruction on how to use these trumpets to get the people organized. Um, they use the trumpets in celebrations and in war. Um, God's presence is among them. So the people are set apart. We can relate to this also as believers. Um, how does this relate to us? So we too as believers are set apart. We can experience plentiful giving by the many blessings of the Lord and as we give back to him. We too have the promise of light as Jesus Christ lives in us and is the ultimate light in the darkness. When we give our lives to the Lord and accept the precious gift of salvation, we experience purification and are made holy through the blood of Christ and are set apart to serve him just like the Levites were. And in thinking about Passover that was celebrated, we too should remember what Christ has done for us as the final Passover lamb, the one who died so that we might live. And one very concrete way we can do this is through communion um, today together as believers. And lastly, this is one of my favorite parts, we too are being pointed to the promised land, our final and eternal promised land that we are not yet at, but one day we will be, um, and one where we're going to find final rest living um, in this perfect harmony with our God, which is such a cool picture. I makes me want to like tear up. Um, so we have this awesome picture of these Israelites and this nation's forming. And then things take <laughs> a pretty crazy turn here. Um, so the people, though, in these first 10 chapters of Numbers, they're preparing, right? They are, they're obeying. Uh, they're headed in the right direction. They're so close to finding rest in this land that God promised them. 
and then the story takes a, <laughs> a very sharp turn. Uh, we quickly are met with the destruction of our human nature. We see a stark contrast between the obedience in this first 10 chapters and this disobedience that we're going to see throughout the book of Numbers. Um, and then in these first stories here, we are going to get our first glimpse of God's mercy and his, I'm sorry, his justice and then his mercy. And we'll see that through again and again. Um, so in the three stories, I'm going to wrap up here quickly. Um, in chapters 11 and 12, we're going to see this pattern. Um, God gives a command. The people disobey. God punishes. Intercession occurs. And God shows mercy to his people. The people of Israel are set apart, right? Yet they're still sinners in need of an intercessor to come on their behalf. Doesn't that sound like us? We're going to get to talking about that in just one minute here. Um, so through fire, quails, and physical ailments, God's justice is shown. Uh, it shows really how detestable sin is to our holy God. All three stories revolve around people grumbling, right? Grumbling about their circumstances, their provisions, and their position of authority. Those three things are things I've struggled with all of those. Grumbling about our, our um, circumstances, our provisions, and our position of authority. Um, I think we can relate pretty closely to the Israelites here. Uh, we learned that grumbling, I, someone said it earlier, is contagious. And at its core, really is unbelief. And we're going to talk more about that next week. When we grumble, it gives us a distorted view of our past and present. It makes the past look really good, even though God was, it made them think that in Egypt it was better than where they are now. Which is totally not true. It's a very uh, false belief, but it is it is what grumbling has done and it, what is their heart, kind of where their hearts are. Um, at least back in Egypt, they had meat to eat, right? <laughs> but there's, God's presence was not with them there. And so it's, it's, it's kind of crazy to see just the, the way that sin can be so deeply in us. Um, so because the people sinned against God and disobeyed his commands, his wrath was upon them, right? They forgot about these miraculous provisions of manna. And now they're like, well, we just want more. We want different things. Um, all three of these stories in chapters 11 and 12, also talk a little bit, you can see this idea of comparison, right? The first two chapters, the people were comparing their lives, sorry, sorry, the first two stories, the people were comparing um, their lives in Egypt to what it was now, and they wanted different things. They had hardships here. And then in the third story, they were comparing themselves to someone else, right? They wanted to be different. They wanted to look different. Um, the, the root sin of pride and envy were kind of clear there. So, however, the story doesn't stop here, right? God's justice is evident. There is punishment. There is death. But we also see his mercy, right? Um, after Moses intercedes, the fire stops. Only the outskirts, if you caught this, only the outskirts of the camp were actually burnt in this punishment. Um, God's grace was also shown to Moses after he grumbled. These 70 elders were appointed and, and there to help him. He, he was grumbling, too, about his circumstances and about his people, but the Lord was gracious um, and still gave him people to help him and that were filled with the Spirit. Um, God's, and also with the story of Miriam, she was healed. And, and the, did you catch that they were also waiting? They waited for her to come back before they moved. What an awesome picture of God's grace waiting for her. So in these three stories, we see people sin and we see God's justice and mercy as well as the power of intercession. We're also given a real glimpse of Moses as a leader. Um, we see some strengths, but we also see some weaknesses. Um, Moses was a chosen leader, not a perfect leader. Um, throughout the book of Numbers, we will see many examples, though, about how his life and leadership really can point us to Christ, which is what I'm going to end with um, here. So Moses falls short, 
but Jesus does not. He is our true and better Moses. He took the wrath of God in our place. He himself bore God's judgment so we could be shown mercy. He intercedes on our behalf even when we sin against him. Doesn't that sound a little bit like Moses interceding for Miriam and Aaron when they specifically just said all this stuff about how he's not who he he is? Um, He doesn't, uh, Jesus Christ doesn't give up on us when we grumble. Although Moses was able to talk to God face to face, which is an amazing place to be, Jesus is the very face of God. He lived a life of perfect and faithful obedience. It is through him that we can freely and boldly come to the throne of God. He intercedes for us daily and gives us access to this holy God. So let's live our lives in gratitude for what he has done and continues to do in our lives. And I was thinking about this, like how, would, how should my life look different today, this week, if I can live my life remembering these promises and these truths um, that we're learning here in Numbers. So next week, the narrative continues, and it's only three chapters, like we said last week, we got a break. <laughs> Not a, there's a lot of stuff going on, but there's only three chapters. So um, as you read, be on the lookout for God's justice and mercy in these stories, the pattern that we talked about. Um, are the Israelites going to trust and follow him again, or are they going to continue down the road of unbelief and sin? If you know your Bible and you know your book of numbers, you probably can answer that question now. Um, but we are going to get into more stories of God's justice, yet also his mercy in these coming weeks.